J.C. Todd is a parent and a poet in that order, and she knows what it's like to have a child or children who have served on active duty in the military, in combat zones. She knows the silence that can surround the experience of military veterans upon returning from war, and the ache on the part of a parent or loved one who wants with all their might to understand the pain, the fear, the terror held so tightly inside. Todd has listened to story after story from veterans affected by the trauma of war, what she prefers to call PTS, post-traumatic stress, dropping the term disorder, believing what veterans experience is a natural reaction to the horrors of war. In her new collection titled Beyond Repair, she's written a number of poems expressing the pain of a parent watching a son or daughter returning from war, unable to speak about those horrors. In one poem, she tries to capture what PTS might be like from the inside for the rest of us not pretending that she can render the reality of what vets suffering from trauma feel. But she has listened deeply, and she's translated what she's heard and seen in silent gestures, so that we, who don't know, might get a small sense of what veterans suffer. The poem is titled, Under the Weather, for those who live with PTS. Some days the sky opens with metal flashing from towering clouds, hissing like high-voltage zappers, the midday sheer of blue peeled back to reveal a skin-tinged apple green, sky's underbelly drooping, spewing blips and funnels, hail and flat bottom drops thudding down, the topsy-turvy village flying up. It's raining cats and dogs, you'll say, but it's frogs and I-beams, picket fences, a ruckus that squelches the earworm of regrets awkward, if only. You're struggling under the weather, and it's giving you everything it's got. A poem titled Under the Weather by J.C. Todd from her recent collection titled Beyond Repair, issued by Abel Muse Press. This is a poem that arose out of the longing of Todd as a parent to know the suffering of a returning veteran so that she can perhaps share that burden, share the load in a way, break through the isolation out of the most profound love for her child. It is such frustration on the part of veterans themselves who want to share all of who they are now, post-war, with those they love. In fact, it was a Marine from Williamsport asking something like, Isn't it just awful that we aren't able to bridge that gap with others? June Moser is director of the Williamsport Vet Center, and she heard the deep pain and frustration in the Marine's question and knew the center had to find a way to address that heartache. She contacted Bonnie Chamberlain, education director of the Bradford County Regional Arts Council, and they developed a program that's been funded by the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts to bring in Rand Whipple, founder and artistic director of Box of Light Digital Arts Studios, to use video as a medium to draw out and preserve stories from veterans at the center. We had a chance to speak by phone with Rand Whipple and June Moser about the project. 
This is a project that's supported by the Pennsylvania Council of the Arts and the Bradford County Regional Arts Council to bring me as an artist into a residency situation. And the residency takes place in this time with the Vet Center in Williamsport. And our project was an oral history project supported by video where we would work with veterans, women and men who have been in combat and are using the services of the Vet Center now to work through what they have experienced and to let video be several things, partly a documentation of that, a way to record their voices and their faces and their stories and their experiences. And secondly, to sort of work with them to make this, originally it was a a teaching residency in which they would be learning video as well or be exposed to it. Now, we started this before COVID. We're going to sit down in groups, and we're going to have this part of groups, and there'd be a teaching component. Well, COVID hit, and all of a sudden, we couldn't sit in groups. We couldn't even be in person for the longest time. So this has been a project that's been over, I think it's about two and a half years in the making. Yeah, yeah. And we ended up making it a one-on-one or a two-on-one, meaning a counselor from the center, myself, and a vet sitting down. And we talked with them, they told their stories, we recorded it, I went in and edited it. So the project is oral history and it's art, but it has several values, we thought. One is to record the vets so that they have it for their family, they have it for posterity, so that down in five years or ten years or whenever, People can go back and hear the voices and experiences of these women and men who have fought and given so much and, in almost all cases, carry burdens throughout their life because of their willingness to step up and serve. Tell us about the center itself. What's your mission and the populations that you work with? Yes, the Vet Center is under an umbrella called Readjustment Counseling Service. We are part of the Veterans Veteran Health Administration. There's over 300 vet centers throughout the nation under this Readjustment Counseling Service umbrella. Our mission is to provide free counseling to any veteran that what we say is boots on the ground that has been in combat. So we deal primarily with readjustment and with trauma. We also do uh, military sexual trauma counseling, which does not involve them having to be on the ground in a war zone. We also do bereavement, which is also the same thing. So that is our mission. We in the Williamsport Vet Center, we cover 11 counties. So the flexibility that we have with our vet center is different than what the VA has, which kind of makes us unique. Well, there's many things that make the vet center unique from the VA, and one of them is that we can also see families, and we can see the spouses or the girlfriend of the veteran that was in war that is struggling from symptoms of PTSD or readjustment from the experience of being in war. Now, because of COVID, we have been doing a lot more telehealth, and we've also been doing phone sessions. But the vet center will always remain open during our hours of business, which we also have flexibility as needed. So we really try to meet the needs of our veterans, even with our groups. 
as time goes by, sometimes our population changes and the needs change. And we'll see, you know, I think we have enough people that would be interested in a guitar group. So we established that. I think we have enough people that could really benefit from an art group. So we had at one time three of them by an artist that volunteers his time, who is also a Vietnam veteran. So that has been extremely beneficial as well. So that is our mission in a very short nutshell. Of course, you know I could go on. I'm just really passionate about our mission. I'm passionate about vet centers. I love what we do. I love the flexibility that we have. And I love how we meet the needs of our veterans. When the Oral History Project was announced, was there an initial rush to say, I want to do it, or was it cautious to some degree on the part of some people and some people eager? Mm. How was it received? Well, I'll tell you, Eric, and I think that's part of why the project ended up being so long, because, you know, to talk about trauma, to talk about being in war can be a very difficult experience. And there were some that I, I found, some of my Vietnam veterans They wanted to talk quicker than the Iraq and Afghanistan, and I think because of the level of time, it's still so raw with Afghanistan and Iraq that there's still a lot of processing that needed to be done. So it really needed to have some conversation as to what does this look like. And, of course, being a counseling center, we don't want anyone to do anything that's not going to benefit them therapeutically. So with this project, and Ram did such a beautiful job of asking the questions and just helping the veteran to feel comfortable to be able to talk more about it. But it's a part of processing. And with trauma, that's the most important part. We tell them you have to talk about it. And it's not just once or twice, but repeatedly, maybe for years, so that you can kind of wrap your head around it a little bit as to what the heck happened. And where am I now? And what did it mean? So there's a lot that goes on. So it took a while before we had veterans that felt comfortable enough to be able to present their story. It did take, it did take some processing and real consideration of wanting to make sure that the person was ready to do that without it being a triggering situation. So there was there was a lot of a lot of factors that were involved, but Rand really did a beautiful job of helping them to feel comfortable. I think too, you touched upon something that's really interesting in terms of the art of this and the subject of it. And the, you know, as June said, it was difficult, no doubt, for the people who sat in front of the camera to talk. Though I think by the end, we went on longer than I expected. And in some cases, I, I would say, okay, are we done? So yeah, and they would have another story to tell once it got going. But they were so honest and simply honest. It was a, a profoundly moving experience for me. It was transformative for me in terms of how I thought about war and the people who serve our countries in that way. I grew up during Vietnam as a young person thinking, you know, war is bad and it's an unjust war. And they may be or they may not be, but... The people who sometimes put their hands up, and this was a phrase repeated by a few bits, I was the one who put my hand up, and some who were drafted, and so were not there by any choice of their own. But those who step up for service, it is what we ask of them 
and the burdens they shoulder at the age of 19, 20, and 21 is awe-inspiring. It is so moving. And what my job as I watched this was to just let them speak, find a way that that, that experience I could lead to what the next thing was, but also to just not get in the way. And so when you edit, too, it is an arts residency, and we're using arts to facilitate oral history and something that will stay, we hope. So you kind of go, well, simplicity is all that's needed here. I don't want to get anything artsy in the way. I need to just let these find the way that the most direct, honest presentation of this is allowed to shine through. And, and that meant, you know, don't move the camera. We, we were all still camera, basically, but don't move around in editing. Just let it see and maybe zoom in on eyes that are focusing on something sort of in space that they're remembering. But by and large, to just let these brave men and women speak. And it was, again, just profoundly moving for me. And the idea that they had the opportunity then to view what they had said to you, that must have had an impact because sometimes they're hearing themselves say it for the first time. What happens when they can see themselves telling these stories? Yeah, it was very contemplative for them to be able to see themselves. (laughs) A lot of times they would say, that doesn't sound like me. (laughs) As we often do once we hear our own voices, you know, but once they got beyond that, they would become very thoughtful because it would take them back again to where they were, basic training, what it was like to go to war. Some of them shared some of their traumas that was very emotional, very hard that they're still, you know, suffering from. And so I always made sure that I was next to them, not next to them, but in the same room, because I want to make sure that they're okay. To be able to look at yourself and hear yourself talk about something that long ago or maybe just that recent ago and and to have to review and feel all those emotions again can be difficult, but that's what we do at the center. We do trauma processing, and this was an excellent tool for us to be able to help them. So that piece of it, I feel so good about because I do believe that every single veteran and a spouse, we had a veteran spouse, every one of them that had this experience, they benefited from it because it was another step of processing and healing. And from the get-go, we said, you have final edit. Nothing is shown. In fact, I cannot tell your website at the end of this interview because we've not gotten, Revet has not reviewed their footage. So there's not a word they say, there's not a gesture they use that is shown until they have said, I'm good with that. So it's really important that they were free to say what they wanted and know that they didn't have to edit themselves and they would have complete control later to come back and go, yeah, I'm good with this or I'm not. These videos are courageous and they are gifts. They are gifts to their family. One theme I heard from vets over and over was, I feel okay talking to other veterans. I don't usually talk about this with other people. I haven't told my family. I don't, I don't tell, you know, I never, never sat down with my family to tell them this. And this is a gift to their descendants, for their children, even their grandchildren, to be able to say, you know, this is what I experienced. So there's a history to it that 
I think, is part of our national history, the fabric of our history. But I also think there's a tremendously deep and personal history that we want these videos to play a part. We, want, we, we need to find a way that they can last as long as they can last, through as many generations as they can last. Again, just a profound gift these vets are giving to their families. You know, it brings me to why this and how this got started. I had an Iraq-Afghanistan group, and for several weeks they had been working pretty intensely on their traumas and what they all could relate to as to some pretty horrific feelings and experiences that they had had. And as they were getting ready to leave, this young Marine looked at me and he said, you know, isn't it too bad that our community and our families can't really understand what it is that we've been through and who we are? And that stuck with me. I was like, what can we do to help them to be able to help the community and their families to understand more? And this is how this whole thing got started. So, you know, it really is, it's very, very much a therapeutic process for our veterans that I am just thrilled that we've been able to offer to these veterans. And the span, we went back to World War II. We had two veterans who were in their mid to upper 90s and just went from there. And there were themes and experiences that went through all of these wars and all of these experiences. And uh, we had one who was a bombardier over Germany, sat under a bomber with those glass encasements to sit on the bottom of a bomber, however many thousand feet they fly. And lived a life, but he said, it still comes back to me at night. He said, every, there's this amazing, amazing speech he gives, and, and it falls down, Erica, just like the most beautifully composed poetry. Everybody was so eloquent. I think the depth of their experience just honed what they had to say down to its essence. And he said, every veteran has a wounded mind. And mentioned how it comes back at night. And that was repeated again and again of what, again, service in a war zone does to one for many reasons. From, you know, things you see, things you are participant in, uh, the position you're placed in, the danger and life-threatening danger you're placed in, the hardships. And so those carry on. And while it was so clear over all 75 years of that that the packs are, play, are removed, the physical packs are taken off and set down. Emotional experiences never come off. And the vet center does such an amazing job. One of the vets in an interview, counselors said, we can't change the past. What we can do is change how you react to it. And that's one of the great gifts the center gives to these vets is the ability to not, you can't change that. It's there, it's on your back and in your soul, but they do an amazing job of helping the vets make sense of it and integrate it positively into their lives. And the idea that you just said so wonderfully, Rand, about the ability of the vets to articulate their experience in a way that was like, you used the word poetry, this is a project that certainly gives us a sense of why story and storytelling is so mm. powerful in our lives, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and, and to have an art project 
that connected to history and therapy in this way. It was just amazing to me. But yeah, it's the stories and being able to create the story, the myth of what we experience, that we shape our lives and our sense of self in. And so it was just amazing to see a project that did all of that. We we don't like to refer to them as wounded. It's truly a natural response to an unnatural situation. So for them to know there is hope that, like Moran said, we, we can't change the past, but we can help you to get to the other side of it. So I always say, so it's not a punch in the gut. You'll always remember it, but we want to get you to a point where it's not a punch in the gut when you do think about it, or it's not a nightmare that keeps you up at night. So definitely, this has a lot of therapeutic value for sure on many levels. And as we we go forward to the next step of the project, even though the residence itself is over, is where these videos reside and how people have access to them. As I said, we're still waiting for a few final okays from vets before anything is made available to the public. But at some point, I did create a website for it. They do exist where vets could go, theoretically, and they could listen to these vets talk to them in the privacy of their home, and they could hear the the counselors talk to them about, you know, what they're experiencing. And so there's a therapeutic in this age of where we can go online to learn. You and I have talked about this a lot, Eric, about the sort of autodidact. We're in that era where everybody can get the information they need, people can learn, and people can access this, too, to learn what it is their experience, how to, how to put it into shape and to connect to those who share those experiences. So part of the future of this is passing this on to the families, having a website that people can access in the way they used to for it to be possibly used, available if it's, if it's helpful in a group or a therapy setting to you know, have these little succinct videos shown because I broke them up. They're full video interviews. And then we have I broke them up to thematic little stories and thematic videos as well, so they can be looked at in a few minutes at a time, not an hour at a time. So there's that, and then there is, of course, the task of finding the place they will reside so that somebody who is not aware of this or don't know these people can still research the voices, research experiences, and hear them. I, I mentioned to the vets, and I always thought of it myself, what we're doing is as if, you, as if you could go back and talk to somebody marching toward Gettysburg. And what would that be like, your grandparent or not, to hear the voices of these men and women who are moving toward battle or have been through battle? If you could hear that from the Civil War, well, that's the goal, one goal of this project, is to save those in a very direct way. There's no overarching dramatization of it. It's just clear, cogent, direct, honest expression of experiences. And so we want those to be saved. And we haven't solved that problem yet because they have to be placed somewhere where people can get to them. And that we're still working on. These vets have been often silent about their experience and don't know, as you suggested, June, what they feel. Little by little, they might open up. But, Rand, I would suspect that you, in a different way, found the power of silences within the way they spoke. They would... Oh, my, yes. Isn't that right? Absolutely. You would mm-hmm. see them and they would, they would... The pauses are so evocative and so much as powerful as what they are saying. 
And again, there was a look I saw again and again of the vets talking and just going to a place a foot and a half in front of them in space where that memory is happening. So, yeah, yes, the, the silences were an absolute part of what was being mm-hmm. spoken of. You said it was transformative for you, Rand. What kinds of things would you say in that regard then for you? Oh, my, I, will ne- I, I do not now see anybody in uniform. I do not see anybody with a hat that is of one of the branches of the service that I, I, I do not think differently of. I didn't think badly in any way before, but I am appreciative. I am moved. I am in awe of what they were able to do that I don't know that I could have. I just do not, cannot fathom that I, in the situation that they were in, could have acted in the way they did with the courage and fortitude and bear the burdens that they have, you know, in different ways carry. So it, it changed the way I looked at service. It doesn't mean I think that wars that shouldn't happen shouldn't happen. It means that I, I separate those who have the courage or by chance have been chosen, chosen or have been chosen to serve those needs of our country. And I admire them across mm-hmm. the board. And everybody was different. We had some who said war is terrible, what we did is a crime. Others who said, I, I believe very much in my country, and I'm very proud to have served them both, said both. And so we ran the gamut of age and war and gender and experiences. And June, what sense do you have now that the project has formally come to a close? Is there a feeling around the center? Anything you can say that this has had some sort of impact? Well, I don't think we've gotten that far into it yet. What we want to do is that once the project is completed and all the veterans have given their okay for us to be able to release their interview, we're going to be using these clips with their permission in groups as tools. And so we'll play them over and over again. But the other thing that we're very, very excited about is that we're hoping to have a presentation, hopefully in October or November, in honor of Veterans Day, to honor the veterans. We're hoping to have a presentation. There's a lot of planning in the works. We would love to have it at the Community Arts Center here in Williamsport. That's not definitive yet. But we're hoping to have quite a big showing of this where we'll have the honor guard, we'll have a brass band, and then we will have a showing of all the work that the veterans in RAND have done. And then we'll have a reception for the veterans afterwards as an opportunity for them to connect with each other and to just know that they all have similar experiences and that they're not alone. And we'll also have counselors there in case anyone has been triggered by the experience of seeing this video. But, um, yeah, we've got big plans for this video, this video presentation. June Moser, director of the Williamsport Vet Center, and Rand Whipple, founder and artistic director of Box of Light Digital Arts Studio speaking about a special oral history project and residency through the Bradford County Regional Arts Council, funded by the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts. 
There will be more activity as we just heard from June Moser as the project continues to resolve. The Vet Center is located at 49 East 4th Street in Williamsport. And contact information, search online for Williamsport Vet Center. If you'd like to reach the website, Williamsport Vet Center, search online. And the phone number, area code 570-327-5281. Area code 570-327-5281. That's the Williamsport Vet Center and their special oral history project with a residency featuring Rand Whipple as the artist. The address, 49 East 4th Street, and search online, Williamsport Vet Center. Williamsport Vet Center.